Welcome to the Step Outside podcast. I am Katie Donaldson with the Department of Forestry, Wildlife and Fisheries at the University of Tennessee Institute of Agriculture. Today joining us is forestry professor, Dr. Adam Taylor. Thank you for being on today. Could you take a minute to just kind of tell us about your research and what you do here at the university? Sure, well, first, thanks for the opportunity to talk to, to everyone. It's a pleasure to get to talk about myself a little bit. Um, I am the wood products extension specialist, uh, in addition to being a professor, that's kind of the definition of my role. So I work with extension agents and within the extension system to try and promote the use of wood and uh, promote the better use of wood. So if people have questions about wood, they call me. I end up doing a bit of applied research as part of that mission. And I also teach a couple of classes to forestry students who are required to know something about wood as part of their education. And earlier this year, you received the Fulbright uh, grant in health and environmental sciences, and you plan on spending much of next year at the University of Eastern Finland for the European Forest Institute. Could you talk a little bit about um, receiving that grant and what you plan on doing while there? Sure. It started a couple of years ago when my department head, Don Hodges, suggested that I look at the opportunities under the Fulbright program and just the opportunities that we have, one of the great perks uh, that we have within the university to take a sabbatical, spend some time uh, doing some research or exploring something that you're interested in but don't necessarily have time to do. And so I came across uh, the Fulbright program and, and there are um, opportunities in many countries around the world. But then I thought, well, what would I like to get in, interested in? What would I like to take some time to investigate in the subject of carbon accounting and forests and forest products has kind of been in the background of my interest. I, I believe wood is good, but one of the ways that people evaluate good now is by uh, looking at the carbon dynamics of it. I started doing some looking into things and it seemed that Finland was a, a center of research activity on that topic. And then in the Fulbright program, it turned out there was an opportunity to do Fulbrights in Finland at that very university, the University of Eastern Finland, where some of the folks that had done this research that I found were located. So I didn't know anybody in Finland. I still don't really know them, uh, although when I reached out, they were kind enough to say, sure, come on over. And um, so then I applied and you write up a kind of a proposal and unfortunately that was funded and I'm looking forward to going to Finland starting in January and I'll be there until the end of June. So uh, I get to experience the full Finnish winter. I'm sure that involves a lot of snow. <laughs> I guess more specifically while you're over there, what will you be focusing on? Well, this topic of how to uh, count the carbon that flows perhaps out of the forest. So I think the topic of carbon accounting might take a little bit of brief explanation. So the idea is that uh, when trees grow, they absorb carbon dioxide from the atmosphere. And as the world struggles to address climate change due to the buildup of carbon dioxide in the atmosphere, one of the uh, solutions that's been identified is to try and encourage the uh, sequestration of carbon in trees in forests around the world. And 
Globally, there's a decline in the area of forest that we have. We have deforestation, deforestation taking place. But in some countries of the world, including the United States and including Finland, we have an increase in the forest inventory, the amount of trees grown in the woods. And so one of the thoughts is to reward landowners or by policy to otherwise encourage the growth of trees and the maintenance of the carbon in those trees, so not to cut them down. But another consideration is that when you cut down trees, you move some of that carbon to wherever that wood product is going. And furthermore, and this is the part that's always interested me, by using wood in place of other materials such as steel and concrete, whose manufacture releases a lot of carbon to the atmosphere because you're burning coal or uh, natural gas to manufacture those materials, you're actually saving carbon by using wood. But then you're removing carbon from the forest. And in the process, you have things, you know, the parts of the tree that aren't used that decompose that release carbon to the atmosphere. So that brief explanation, I hope will give you an indication that it starts getting complicated right away when you consider the flows into the forest, the flows out of the forest, the flows into the harvested wood products, and what those wood products are doing in place of other materials. So when I go to Finland, I'm going to um, kind of see how the Finns have been doing it and doing some of their calculations and try and adapt some of those calculations for the United States. That's kind of my starting point anyway. I, I hope in a way to get distracted by some other aspect of this topic, but at least as a starting point, I will use the analysis that they've done for their boreal forest conditions and try and apply them to our very different uh, ecology that we have down here. And in addition, we have different types of wood products that we make, which may affect the carbon accounting also. If you had kind of an overall goal for your research while over in Finland, what would that be? Well, I'm motivated, have been, uh, when I first got interested in this topic, by the, the growing interest in maintaining trees in the forest uh, that is occurring in the United States through programs which reward forest landowners for not cutting trees or for changing, maybe reducing the amount of tree cutting that they do on their property. Uh, with this idea, you know, it's a simple idea that if we don't cut the tree, then the carbon remains locked up in the forest. And I think this misses an opportunity to fully appreciate the benefits of using wood. And so my overall goal is to make sure that when we think about the best way to grow and use forests, that we include the full benefits that are potentially provided by the wood products themselves. And when you talk about those benefits, I guess, what are the top ones that you can think of right now that are not being utilized? Well, for example, in the United States, uh, and in contrast to much of the rest of the world, uh, we have a lot of voluntary carbon credit programs aimed at forest landowners. So in other parts of the world, there are government policies that regulate uh, to some extent if and how people manage their forests. You know, a lot of, not, not in Finland in, in this case, but uh, in some other countries that are major forest products countries or major forest countries, the government owns the forest land. So in the United States, we have independent small private landowners that um, they can do what they want with their forest land 
And increasingly, there's an opportunity for them to join these carbon credit programs, which, um, in my opinion, don't fully recognize the full benefits of the harvested wood products. So the benefits of using wood, in this case, we're focusing on the carbon accounting. And I mentioned there's two things. One, the wood itself, you know, if you look at the the wall behind me, which the audience can't see, but I have wooden paneling on my wall. Well, that holds CO2 in much the same way that the trees, when they're alive, hold the CO2, the carbon dioxide in their uh, tree trunks. So that, there's that benefit. That's the so-called stored or sequestered carbon benefit. But as I mentioned before, the one that I'm really interested in is the so-called substitution or embodied carbon benefits of using wood in, in place of another material. So there's that carbon benefit. But in addition, there are other benefits to using wood. Uh, and if we try and think about sustainability as including environment, society, and economy, then I think that's another thing that's important about the use of wood. Wood products manufacture uh, benefits rural local economies in the United States to a very great extent. And actually one of the analyses that I'm interested in, in trying to look at is how does that benefit compare to the benefit that a forest landowner might get from a carbon credit payment? So in that case, the carbon payment goes to the landowner for not cutting trees in some cases, or at least minimize or lowering their forest products production. So I don't wanna say all the programs are the same because they're just not, but there is, kind of a tendency to want to hold on to the trees in the forest rather than maximize the production of forest products in many of these programs. And if you are successful in encouraging landowners not to cut their trees, well then, at least in theory, you could reduce the uh, quantity of forest products that are available to the local forest industry and all the jobs and uh, spin-off economic activity that results from those the value-added wood manufacturing that takes place in, in, you know, in the state of Tennessee, it's, we're talking billions of dollars annually of economic activity and you know, maybe 100,000 jobs. And so we wanna consider those are based on forest products, which are come from forests. But if we start thinking of the forests in isolation from the products and the economic activity and the social impacts, because as I said, those that economic activity is focused in rural areas where we're really struggling otherwise to find employment and um, you know, opportunity for, for economic activity. So I think that wood products have an important role domestically in terms of environment, economy, and society, but also globally. We have a growing population in the world that needs places to live and uh, materials to conduct our daily lives. And wood is an important, an important material in supplying those needs. And I would argue for a sustainable future for this growing population, we actually need to be using more wood in place of non-renewable materials if we're really gonna get sustainable. Now, if we use more wood, of course, this will impact our forest resource. Um, so it's not to say that, that the considerations of the forests are unwarranted. We do have challenges in our forest resource. And so if we're gonna use more wood, as I think we should, if we're gonna be sustainable, we would certainly need to consider the source of that wood, which is the forest. But as I acknowledge, we need to consider the forest when we consider the products. I would likewise say to people who are considering the forest without considering the products that they are missing an opportunity to, 
to consider the whole picture. It sounds like this research will be something that people can definitely apply as our population continues to grow throughout the world. Yeah, I think the, the issue of climate change as caused by you know, an increase of carbon in our atmosphere is an issue of sustainability and the sustainability of our environment to support life systems, including our own, is, is definitely what we're thinking about. Um, you know, by itself, the amount of carbon dioxide in the atmosphere is, is not important, but it's what those changes in carbon dioxide, uh, how that impacts other things, that's what we care about. And when we're thinking holistically about the impacts of climate change and how we're gonna respond, I think we, we need to think about the connections between the various aspects of our solutions. So if we're thinking that the forests are part of the solution, well, it would be a mistake for us to consider that as a solution that's by itself and that it has no impact on other aspects of our quest for sustainability. And I will admit that it's a complicated equation when you think about the carbon dynamics of forests and the residues that are released when you harvest and then the harvest and then what that harvested wood material might take the place of. So six months won't be enough time for me to solve that puzzle by any means, but uh, I'm looking forward to getting a little better at understanding what other people have been doing and seeing how that might connect to the region uh, where I work and also to help me to strengthen my understanding of how those forest and wood products dynamics not only relate to each other, but also relate to other aspects of sustainability, like rural economies or the needs of the people, things like that. But is there anything you are looking forward to outside of your research whenever you are in Finland next year? Oh, lots of things. I come from Canada originally, so I remember vaguely things like snow and cold and uh, lots of little lakes. And so in a way, Finland will be a little bit of a homecoming for me, even though I've lived in Knoxville for longer than any other place. But it'll remind me of, of what I grew up in, the conditions. But in addition, Finland, of course, is a completely different country with a different culture than Canada and I'm looking forward to things that I have no idea what they're going to be. And that's that's part of the excitement. I, In a way, I'm kind of doing that on purpose. I'm certainly doing what I can to find out about Finland and uh, learn a little bit of the language. But I think one of the great things about this is that it's just a step into the unknown. And uh, I really think that in the future, I'll look back and sort of remember before. I went to Finland and after I went to Finland. But to be specific, I'm really looking forward to seeing the Northern Lights. And I'm looking forward to seeing a reindeer. And I'm looking forward to being in a country that has 180,000 lakes. I mean, I just, <laughs> it's hard to imagine what that's like. I've been in a sauna before, but I'm told that I will be in a sauna many times when I go to Finland. As a personal note, I'm bringing my two younger children and my wife, so this is going to be a family adventure, and we're going to uh, learn about ourselves and about a different country, and I just, I think it'll be an important event in my life, but certainly it'll be an important event for my children's life, you know, they're more impressionable than I am, so I think it's, it's going to be great. Well, I'm excited for you, and is there anything else you would like to say? I guess I'm just really grateful for the opportunity that this job provides to have this really 
unusual and wonderful experience. I mean, there's very few jobs where you can do this kind of thing. And, um, it's one of the things that attracted me to this career. And there are many other benefits of working at the University of Tennessee and being in this role. But uh, this is one that I, I certainly appreciate and very few people get this kind of opportunity. I realize how lucky I am. I will end it there. Thank you everyone for joining us on this month's edition of the Step Outside podcast. And thank you, Dr. Adam Taylor for joining me. A pleasure. Thank you for the opportunity to talk to you.